Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you to lead with a greater sense of calm, greater sense of clarity and conviction, even in the midst of VUCA times, right? Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And VUCA lives on even as the pandemic starts to wane. And I am Bridget Tyre, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Irvin Nugent. And Irvin, what's our topic today? Well, uh, good to be here, Bridget. And I love this topic. We are talking about finding your leadership voice. So listeners, if you have ever struggled to express yourself in a confident manner or to be bolder in how you show up, then this is an episode especially for you. Now, there is a very famous coach called uh, Marshall Goldsmith. And a few years ago, he had a really interesting book. At least the title I loved was very interesting. It was Mojo, um, How to Get It, How to Keep It, and How to Get It Back If You've Lost It. Yeah. And what I love about that title is the acknowledgement that as we go into our leadership lives and, and life in general, it ebbs and wanes. We're not always at tip-top confidence. And sometimes we lose our, lose our mojo. And I think that's really important to realize. And so we're going to talk about that, about what happens when we lose it and how might we gain it back and make sure that we are having you know, the greatest influence possible with those that we, we work with. So, mm-hmm. so Bridget, maybe segueing from the title of that book, was there ever a time in your life where you found kind of your footing not so sound as a leader or perhaps you lost a little bit of your mojo? Yes, indeed. I would like to say it only happened once, but you know, over a career spanning 23 plus years, there were a couple of times along the way when I, I could tell my voice wasn't as strong. It wasn't as persuasive. It wasn't as influential. And you know what? The first example that comes to mind is kind of interesting because I didn't even get to use my voice. Hmm. And and so here's what happened. So I was at this coaching conference, right? I was so excited to go, flew across the country, joined my fellow coaches, you know, and it was day one and we were being led by the facilitator. It was just really interesting content, right? And all these questions started coming to my mind. And I was sitting with a colleague of mine. She and I had kind of met up early and, you know, we had a a collegial kind of friendship going and I started raising my hand, right? Like I, I had a million questions and the facilitator called on everyone in front of me, beside me and behind me, but never once did he ask, did he call upon me for a question? To the point I started feeling incredibly marginalized, right? (laughs) And my colleague next to me was like poking me, you know, like what's going on? And this actually took place the whole day. So I had a conversation with, you know, my colleague and she's like, Bridget, you're not imagining it. I don't know what's going on, but he looked right at you and then called on everybody beside you. So I gathered my courage and I went up and asked him, the end of the day, I said, Hey, I'm loving this conference. Great information, great content. You know, can I ask you an honest question? He goes, Sure. And I said, I raised my hand probably five or six times today. And I'm just curious. I, I noticed that you never called upon me, and yet lots of people around me, you did. And any thoughts? And he paused. 
And he goes, hmm. He goes, well, first of all, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. And he goes, but all right, if I had to guess as to why that might have been, I'm thinking it's because you didn't hold your hand up with assertiveness and confidence. There was like a hesitancy in it. And I pick on people who look like they're ready to poise the question clearly and well. And I guess at some level, I didn't see that in you. And I was really taken aback. Yeah. And only later, when I actually asked him and I hired him to be a coach, did he then help me to see that my leadership voice, not only non-verbally, didn't have at that moment the gravitas that I wanted, but also when I spoke, my voice was in an upper register. It had kind of a higher, thinner quality to it. And it was in part because I wasn't breathing and centering from my diaphragm from my stomach. Yeah. 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 So that was sort of the very first thought that came to my mind. I didn't even get to speak, but you know, our voice is more than just the literal words, right? Yeah. And what about you? Like, and that really, that really knocked me off initially, right? What, yeah. what about you? Did you ever time when, I don't know, when your voice felt muted? Yeah. So uh, the one of the examples that comes to me is I was taking over as a CEO of a, a large nonprofit agency and I got into the position and I knew there were a few issues, but boy, like in that first month, you talk about the proverbial, everything that had been swept underneath the rug started coming up. And I kind of like started to doubt myself. I started to doubt, like, like, didn't I ask good questions? I thought I'd ask questions. Didn't, was I deceived? Was I not? And I, I, there was a lot of self-blame. And I remember I was preparing for the first board meeting. You know, the, the previous interaction with the board had been fantastic. They were excited to hire me. Things were going well. And I walk into the room and it was almost as if I had self-imposed the burden of the world on myself. That wow. basically this organization that had issues for many years, I was blaming myself. And it was, you know, when we get down to have a conversation, it was this experience that that I muted myself, that I I, I felt very uncomfortable speaking. I, I could just feel that that there was a boulder in front of me and I, I didn't know what to say and the confidence just left me. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the meeting went on for about an hour and a half and I said very little, very little. And it was, you know, and I came out and I said, wow, that I really talk about losing your voice. I kind of really lost my voice. Mm -hmm. And it it took me a while to get over it. And and actually the CEO, who was a wonderful professional, sat me down and said, look, this is ridiculous. You're, you're not to blame for this, you know, and you've got some great ideas, et cetera. So it was almost they they yeah. they talked me out of myself losing <laughs> my voice. Yeah, what a great example. I mean, let's face it, leadership is not for the faint of heart. And it is a humbling, it is a humbling profession, <laughs> right? So, you know, just thinking for the people listening, I hope our examples kind of give you, I don't know, hope that if you or somebody you know is sort of in a spot where you feel like your voice is not what you want it to be, that there's a way to get through that, right? Yeah. And that's what we're going to we're going to talk about. So, so let's start to unpack it. I think these examples actually, you know, point us in the right direction. So kind of the first thing I think is so important to, to remember that if we want to find our leadership voice, it has got to be a whole body experience. It's got to involve the entire self. 
you know, we don't just speak from the neck up. And so can we pay attention to the shape, the posture, the mood, everything, right, that our bodies are telegraphing and how that is either helping or hindering our voice, you know, to come out with confidence and to come out with clarity and authenticity. I'm thinking of the example I shared early on. When he started coaching me, he helped me to realize that I did not hold myself literally in a a posture that facilitated a rich, deep voice that commanded attention. Mm. And the good news was he showed me how to change that. And it was really about lengthening my spine and breathing from my belly and finding my feet, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. In your example, Irvin, did you feel like the weight that you were bearing had also shaped your body? Yeah, you know, I often I often think, Bridget, you know, if I had a video like of that, I think what I would I think that weight, you know, it wasn't it's interesting the way I describe it because the more I think about it, there is a heaviness and and that heaviness was almost yeah. I think it's probably too much to say it was crushing me, but it was it was yes. imposing itself and I felt it was restricting me. I was not free. And yeah. and that was a real burden. Yeah. And then it just reinforces itself, right? It's oh, like totally. the body gets shaped because of the way you're thinking. And then the shape of the body keeps that intact, right? Yeah. Keeps it intact. So, yeah. you know, for those of you who are listening to this, just this is kind of an interesting thing to think about. So, uh, you know, when people listen to podcasts, a lot of times they're walking or running, you know, so if, if that's you, you might not be able to do this. But if you're listening and you're sitting in your office or, or in a chair, take a, a few seconds and do this. Collapse your spine, just kind of slump in your chair and kind of let that spine kind of have a curve to it. And maybe even let the shoulders fall forward, right? We all slump from time to time, you know? And just in that really kind of slumped posture, imagine having to powerfully advocate for yourself. Mm. Or like you, Irvin, to go into a board meeting where there's a lot at stake and feel powerful and confident. It's, It's hard when you are in a really slumped posture to access that. But then now shake that off. And if you just stand up nice and tall, tall spine, open up across the chest, right? In that sort of tall, relaxed position, imagine what it would be like to advocate for yourself or to take a tough stand. So sometimes subtle shifts in the body make a big difference in the quality of voice. And remember that in all these episodes, we've been talking about anxiety and how anxiety lives in the body. It has a physiological aspect to it and it shapes us. Like Irvin, when you are really anxious, what are you aware of happens in your body? Oh, so I go into, I, I begin to feel it first with my heart. So I feel a lot, uh, an, a quickening of my heartbeat, a lot of tension around there. And then I can feel my shoulders closing and almost like a, wanting to protect myself yes. and getting smaller. Yes, but yes. It, it really, it, it for me, it's it's the heart and the tension around my heart. Yes. And that closing in, right? Yes. And so, so you know, whatever happens for you, and we all have a physiological response to anxiety. For some, it's like a knot in stomach. You know, others, it's like their shoulders come up like to their ears, you know, whatever the case, pay attention 
to the shape of your body under pressure and stress because it is undoubtedly affecting your voice. And I know within 30 seconds in a coaching session, when I'm just on the phone with somebody and we just say, hello, how are you? You know, how's your day? I can already tell through their voice, the tenor, the pace, the energy or lack thereof. I can already hear in their voice so much, right? Mm. And undoubtedly the shape of their body is a part of that. Yeah, the passing. Okay, so paying attention to the shape of our bodies, shifting that to support a more confident voice. But what about, because your example, I think really ties into this, Irvin. What about the connection between the beliefs that we're harboring and the confidence of our voice? How does that yeah. work? Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting question because, you know, I think all of us have a belief system and some of those beliefs are, we know them, we acknowledge them, it's how we act or value a system, but then some of them are below the surface. These, you know, we could call them shadow beliefs. And these are, you know, assumptions we make, you know, and, and sometimes we're, we're conscious, but most of the time we're not, we're unconscious off them and they impact how we show up. They impact our behavior yeah. and the influence it. And so therefore it's, it's really interesting to, to kind of put some work in and kind of uncover what, what are these now, you know, in leadership, I, I know, and you're probably the same as well in, in coaching leaders, you know, there are so many assumptions that come out and they influence yeah. us. And at times, you know, we don't know that we're being governed by these assumptions. And it's like, yeah. well, let's just stop here and, and really look at that. So like, for example, leaders should have all the answers. That's um, a common one. <laughs> that's very common. You know, that, that basically if I'm a leader, then, then I better have answers to what's happening. And it, it's uncomfortable and it takes a lot of courage for a leader to say, you know what? I don't have an answer here. Or, for example, I need to wait until I have all the facts. And of course, you mentioned at the beginning, like VUCA, and we're in a world now where decisions have to be made sometimes with only 60% of the facts. We all have what I like to call a conflict story. And uh, for some of us, uh, conflicts are bad and they mm -hmm. need to be avoided and they take away from a team. Or else um, decisions, how, you know, we always have thoughts around how decisions should be made. And one oh, of the yeah. common ones you get is that all decisions should be made by consensus. And, you know, if a team's functioning well and everyone's voice is heard, then it's consensus. And that's, you know, not necessarily the case. So, you know, all of these really are important because I think they impact how we show up, they impact our bodies and they impact our voices. Yeah. Now in your story of your own personal example, I think I heard a shadow belief there, maybe a couple, right? Like it's kind of like, well, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Like the whole, yep. the, the whole organization was on your shoulders, past, Absolutely. present and future. Correct. Yes. Interesting. Uh -huh. I had a client once that had this shadow belief that you should only speak up when you have expertise on a subject. If you don't have expertise. It's not your job to speak up. Let the other people do yep. the talking. Yep. And man, you know, when she was in her le senior leadership team meetings, she would really fall by the wayside a lot of times because, you know, when you're on a senior leadership team, everybody's got expertise in a different domain. So there are going to be topics that that's not your background, but then why have the meeting? I mean, everybody is still supposed to contribute, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so she yeah. really had to find a way to move past that in order to find her voice, yeah. you know, in, in that team. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting as well. Um, maybe go back to a few episodes ago where we were talking about um, leadership and and charism and being charismatic. I remember uh, coaching a leader who who really thought that you know to be effective leader that that uh, they needed to be extroverted and they needed to be the light and and th- that just wasn't them. And I there was such an intense struggle, you know, this attempt to be extroverted when it really wasn't who they were. Yeah. And it was interesting, you know, talking about that shadow belief. Well, why is it? Well, you know, I have to be dynamic and I have to I have to come up and and, and have so much energy etc and and i said you know is that really you well well no <laughs> and so okay and i said well then what's your gifts and yeah. so then to really uncover what the giftedness is you know well well my gift is that you know the power of listening the power to to generate ideas that are so well thought out and succinct i said yes. yeah. and yeah. so that's what's going to empower you not trying to be someone you're not oh for sure you can never find your voice when you're trying to mimic somebody yeah. else, right? You yeah. got to be the real deal to truly find your voice. Yeah. And that was kind of like the, the client I was just talking about. She had gifts of curiosity and listening, deep mm-hmm. listening, discernment, asking great questions. And really, I kind of helped her discover that a way she could find her voice was to ask the group really good questions. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, she didn't have expertise, but she had curiosity and Mm. she had discernment. So help the group, you know, think together better. But, you know, I want to go back to something, Irvin, because, you know, you always do a lot of reading around the neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about the connection between the shape of our body Mm -hmm. and the quality of our leadership voice Mm -hmm. and our beliefs and our voice. Mm -hmm. What's the neuroscience around the body, the posture, and finding our voice and speaking confidently. You know, it's really interesting. I, th- there's a couple of things that strike me. Number one, and we've talked about this before, you know, as human beings, we are made to survive. And we have amazing mechanisms that come into action before we even think about them. And part of that, of course, is our bodies. Our bodies are made to protect ourselves. So one of the things is when we feel threat, you know, when we feel anxious or fearful, then we will protect ourselves. And we are the only mammal that exposes their organs. So here we are standing tall and we've got our heart and our lo- all of it sitting out there. And so one of the things that happens when we feel unsafe, then we begin to close and cover that. So it's an instinctual protection. And of course, this begins to impact the quality of her voice. Because we know there are, there are two ingredients that make really powerful voices. One is, and you've referred to it a number of times, one is breath. So our, where are we breathing for? At times, you know, I, I find when I'm under stress, I don't know if you're the same, is that I find my breath is up here. It becomes a little more throaty and, yes. and chesty, and it's not really down in my diaphragm. Right. And then the second thing is then that breath is reverberating in space and in our bodies. And so if our bodies are closed, We've got shallow breathing, which really is reverberating against less space, and it impacts the quality of her voice. Yes. So uh, all of that, of course, now the, the, you could say uh, through evolution that if we're under attack. You know, one of the other things that happens is that saliva is drained from our throat. And you think about it, if you're under oh. attack, but the last thing you need is to be like shouting out loud and telling people I'm here. It's really shh. And so it's it's everything is is coordinated to make mm. us feel smaller and to reduce our voice. 
and that and then so when we yeah and then the opposite is when we feel more powerful when we feel that the environment is for us then we be, we we tend to expand our bodies we take up more space right you know i found some great research uh, a while back from two psychologists from Stanford University, uh, Gilroy and Gruenfeld. And what they were talking about, even our voice begins to take up more space. And I thought, oh, what? That's just such an interesting idea. Yeah. So, so like, you know, just as our bodies take up more voice, then leaders who feel more powerful actually speak slower. And even at the risk of being interrupted by others, that they're slower. But part of that is it's okay. I don't fear being interrupted That's because right. I fear powerful. So uh, yes. You know, people who speak slower and the quality of their voice as well was more powerful. So it's amazing wow. how, you know, our voice totally ties into the way our bodies show up and do we feel power or, or do we feel powerless in this situation? You know, it's like our voice is a lagging indicator of our bodily state, yeah. yes. right? Yeah. And so again, one of the simplest ways to regain our voice is by yeah. shifting the body. Yeah. Open up your posture, yes. open up your chest, sit up tall, right? Feel your legs, you know, and breathe, breathe deeply because yeah. that changes the physiology and that physiology will without, I mean, we can't, you know, we can't uh, change the rules of the way our bodies work. That physiology will affect the timber and the tone and the quality of the voice and just the confidence from which we speak. And at yeah. the end of the day, I think the people who are listening to this, when they saw the title of Find Your Leadership Voice, it's about finding that mojo again, like you said at the beginning, yeah. right? That yeah. mojo. Okay. So I think there's another really important building block here. So we've talked about the shape of our bodies affects our voice. The shadow beliefs that we harbor affect our voice, but also the degree to which we're really connected to our greatest strengths and what we deeply care about. And we've talked about that on other episodes, but I don't think we can mention it enough that, you know, we're, we're working so fast and so furiously and we have so many demands on our time that we always are at risk of losing connection with who we really are and what we care most about. And we speak most powerfully when we, when we come from that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sense of almost like a sense of passion, you know, kind of like, you know, we're connected to our deepest values, yes. you know, kind of nowadays, you know, we, we get a lot of talk around integrity and authenticity, you know, there, there is authenticity 101. It's, it's, it's really focusing in on that, yeah. which we value the most. Yeah. So Irvin, what is something that you care deeply and passionately about? I care deeply and passionately about, I think, helping uh, or, or, or being being fair to people and and people's rights being respected. Mm. When people's rights are violated or, or or people are ignored, it really impacts me. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Just as I listen to you, what I notice is that your voice became a little a little quieter in a in a in a way that caused me to want to lean in and you talked a little bit more slowly yeah and it kind of reminded me of what you were saying earlier that when we are speaking from a place of confidence we're not rushing our words we're not shouting at people right there's a space that we're taking up 
that causes or invites others to lean in. Yeah. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking back to the example of the client who had the shadow belief that like, I should only speak when I have expertise. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until she really uh, realized that one of her biggest gifts was asking discerning questions that helped people think better. Like she didn't really, you know how we don't really see the gifts that we have. She didn't really see that as any big deal. Yeah. And then, you know, it wasn't until she realized, oh yeah. So like, that's, that's one of my main gifts. And I can offer that even when it's not an area that I have 20 years of experience in. Yeah. Yeah. And once you got connected to that and to the value of Mm -hmm. wanting to truly help her colleagues, truly collaborate, I think that that is what allowed her to move forward and find her voice. Mm. It's a journey that we take. We get to the other side. Sometimes it's years that we are in this place of feeling confident and in touch with our mojo, but inevitably mm-hmm. life has a way of throwing us curveballs that can throw us off course. So this isn't a one-time journey, is it? No, no. And, and I mean, how, how many times have we talked about Bridget? It was like, you know, like if you were putting it around in February of 2019, thinking, you know, my leadership's going so well. Well, coronavirus came and all of a sudden, <laughs> whoa, you know, and so this is it. This is, this is the reality of leadership now, perhaps not as dramatic as what we've gone through for the next last couple of years, but the pace of change is quickening and the complexity is deepening. And what's required of us sometimes is new ways of thinking. And we will feel uncomfortable at times and perhaps lose our voice. Yeah. So it's kind of like this process of finding our footing, then losing our footing, then finding our footing again, then losing our footing, but doing that maybe more quickly, right? Because we know when we lose our footing, we know it's a natural part of the process and we have ways to regain it. Yeah. Okay. So we always want to leave listeners with a core practice. So, so what's a, what's a core practice for folks? Well, a really interesting core practice to really embody everything we've been talking about today is one which is called embodying uh, your length. And, you know, we've talked about how whenever we feel triggered, whenever we feel anxious, et cetera, our body tends to close to protect itself. And so the reality is whenever we are facing challenging situations, um, maybe a difficult conversation, a situation where I have to speak up, um, that's challenging as well. It's only natural for our bodies to feel a little more closed. And so what we try and do is to do the opposite. So what would it mean and what would it look like for us to embody our length, to assume this tall straight, upright Mm. posture, you know, really going into um, our dignity as a human being, you know, Mm. you know, whenever you see someone who, who, who is very dignified, they have this beautiful posture, uh, which is tall and erect. So, so then just exercising that spending a few moments and really thinking about our dignity and our strength and our confidence and just trying to stand tall to straighten our spine and to hold that for a few moments mm-hmm. before we have that difficult conversation. And, and the wonderful thing about this, you know, small changes can make a big difference. Absolutely. Uh, especially to the quality of our conversation, to, to our co- yeah. communication. So, so just try that a few times. 
You know, you know, one of the things that uh, I often find when we get out of bed in the morning, we have numbers of different choices. But I think a, a beautiful choice in the morning is just to get out of bed and to stretch a little and just to have an intention of, of taking a posture like this, embodying our length, to enter into the dignity of ourselves yes. for the coming day. Mm. You know, because when we sleep, in, invariably, our spine kind of settles, right? So just yeah. sort of stretching and finding that length is a really, yeah. I hadn't thought about it being a morning practice, but I love that too. Erwin. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there you have it. I mean, you know, if you feel like maybe you've lost a little bit of your footing, a little bit of your leadership voice, we hope this conversation has been helpful. I know it has reminded me of some really important things. Irvin, thank you so much for the conversation. And if you know somebody who maybe you manage or is a colleague and they're not feeling as rooted in their confidence, uh, share this episode. You know, our aim is, as we said at the beginning, is to help every leader to feel and to lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction. And you can't do that if you can't find your voice, right? So on tap for next time is, I believe, a great topic on setting healthy boundaries. Am I right about that, Irvin? That's correct. Yep. All right. So we will see you folks next time and take good care of yourself. And Irvin, have a great day. You too. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks, Bridget.